today we will complete our study concerning the five parts of the Lord's Day service. The call, the confession, the consecration, better known in our circles as the ascension, communion, and finally, the commissioning. Let us hear God's word this morning. From Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, and of course you're very familiar with this because you hear this at the end of each service. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. And then additionally this morning, we're considering Psalm 67. To the chief musician on stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. O God, be merciful to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on the earth. Selah. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all of the ends of the earth shall fear him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with thanksgiving that you have called us into your presence. We rejoice in your grace and mercy for the forgiveness of our sins for Jesus' sake. We ask now that your holy word, sharp as a two-edged sword, cut us up, rearrange us, and conform us to your Son, Jesus. We appeal to you, our Heavenly Father, to remember your promises to us through your Son, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Hear our request that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for the sake of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, in my life, I've held many jobs. Among them, I worked for Walmart. This is a number of years ago. And uh, I know there's a different way to think of Walmart if you shop there than if you've ever worked there and done things. I know there may be several other others in here that may have worked at Walmart at one time or another. But one of the things about working in a big box store, particularly like Walmart is, is sometimes you lose sight of what you're doing, your stuff you're doing daily, how that fits in to the bigger purpose. One of the, the things that I think people complain the most about is I was managing and having to move freight around. I was an inventory manager, so I was always that guy saying, you can't bring that to the back room. It's got to be on the floor. And if you go into a Walmart, although they've changed the shelves a little bit, they used to have these really high shelves, the very top shelf called risers, and they didn't really want customers reaching for that. Eventually, they took that upper shelf off because customers kept pulling stuff down on their heads. But what would happen is, particularly as we got near a new holiday, you ever been in a Walmart or a store similar at Christmas, uh, at, in September and you see Christmas merchandise 
showing up in the corners. Never seen that? Okay. Well, what happens is they're trying to get ahead of the game. You got all these stores, you got to get all this product in. And we don't have a storeroom in the back for all this because it's going to be the Christmas season. So what do we do? We find a place in a department, maybe in lawn and garden, and we push all their stuff to the side, and every, all of its stuff has to come off so we can get it sold before the, the, the winter season comes, and we fill all the risers with Christmas. And then the next day there's more. We put it in there. And then later on, this department over here has space, and you need this space for something over here. And so you take the stuff you put on these risers last night, and you move it over to those risers tonight so you can make room. And you get this circle of things where you're just, what are we doing this for? How many times do I have to touch the same piece of freight? It seems purposeless. It seems like, how does what I'm doing in my daily life, how, how does that you know, bring life? And this happens in our spiritual lives, too, because we tend to look at our lives and we split them. We say, I've got my spiritual life over here, and I have the things I do every day over here. And that's not how God designed the world to work. We're not simply spiritual creatures or a fleshly creature with a soul in it that's going to just depart. Remember, in the resurrection, we have eternal physical bodies. Heaven and earth are joined. We'll pass back and forth between God's throne room in heaven and the earth. So what we do here on the earth every day, whether it's digging a ditch, selling security systems, flying airplanes, whatever it is that you do, pushing numbers around, or how about this, changing diapers, doing laundry, cutting the grass, all the different things that you do are all done with eternity in mind. You have a call. I have a call. The entire church has a call and actually a commission to come into God's house, go through these steps that we have. God calling us, the confession, that ascension into his presence where we hear the word, we're transformed and conformed. Then we come to God's table of peace where he strengthens us and nourishes us. I, I pray that you don't lose sight when you hear all these prayers throughout the service. Listen to them. The songs that we sing every week, listen to them. I was thinking about that one right before I came up, how it's referencing the angels and, and all the other saints singing with us. And we sing that every week to remind us of these things. But all of this is so that we come and we've glorified God and we have responded back to God. God has said things, done things, and we respond to those things. Finally, to the end where he gives us a blessing and a commission to go out and work in the tangible world, to do things in the world around us. Unfortunately, we don't live in the understanding that Jesus Christ is the warrior king. We don't go out and live our lives understanding that Jesus Christ is the warrior king. Jesus did not come 
to merge into new cultures, but to regenerate them into a new creation. Christianity is for life and living, not just the future. It's not, Christianity is not an adaptation of men and culture. All men are dead in sin and trespasses until the Lord Jesus transforms their hearts. With this in mind, we have to think about that God has given us a charge. He commissions us out. And he began this charge in Genesis 1. You're familiar with this. God blessed them. So God has given the blessing. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on on the earth. So God gave a blessing, told them to take dominion, go and change it, transform it, rule over it. We see in Genesis 9 that after the flood, again, it says this, listen, so God blessed Noah and his son. So God is giving the blessing. Again, I've, I've mentioned this before, but when your, your pastor is up here and he's given this blessing, he is acting as Christ to the bride, the congregation. God is bringing his blessings to you. And again, he said, God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In verse 7 of chapter 9, it says this, And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. And a lot of times we hear all this and we think, oh, this is about having lots of kids. It can be that, but it is not only that. It is being fruitful and bring forth abundantly. What are we to bring forth abundantly? We are to bring forth abundantly all things that God has given us. He's given us dominion. We are to be fruitful and multiply in it. We even see this at the end of Matthew chapter 28. It says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus Christ, the King, gave us, again, he tells us he has all authority, all power, and he's giving us a commission to go out, making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to observe all the things that he has commanded. Christ, the triumphant warrior king, has been given all authority, and he has given us the task to be fruitful in the world. We are to produce fruit in people, making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to be fruitful in all that God has given us charge over. What's God giving you charge over? Family, business, lands, community, children. God has given you the task You have authority over starting with yourself. This is true for all of us, but children, God says to you, learn to rule yourself. Learn to take care of what God has given you. Learn to obey your parents. All of these things God has given to you. King Jesus will come and take an account of what we have done. Just like the men given talents, 
then they were judged according to what they did with what God had given them. You know, sometimes we get worried about, well, I don't have much. You know, one of the great uh, perpetuated sins, things that people fan the flames of, is coveting. Right? I don't have what someone else has. And so I'm going to spend my time worried about that instead of taking dominion of what God has actually given me control over. Am I taking what God is giving me to people and relationships? And am I making them and taking them to be flourishing and to grow? All people have dominion over something, starting with themselves. So we are either good, bad, or growing dominion builders. Did you hear that? There's no neutrality. Either you're doing it or you're not. You're either good or bad, or perhaps you're growing. But at least in growing, that means you're doing what? Coming to repentance in your failures and asking God to help you in those areas. We're either fruitful or we are not. There are many, even in the greater church today, who think that this world is lost. And I don't just mean lost like they don't know God, but the physical world around us is lost. They've given up on it, and it's only going to become worse. They believe that Satan still rules over the world. But remember, the scripture teaches us that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to King Jesus. We are co-heirs with Jesus because he became a man. Jesus lived a sinless life and gave himself to die in our stead. And he was the firstborn of the resurrected. Jesus said that he is the vine and we are the branches. And we are to produce fruit here on earth to bring praise and glory to the Father. So by producing fruit, by taking dominion, by making things grow and flourish in your life, in the, in the lives of the people around you and in the, the tangible things that God has given you, we're to do it so that it brings praise and glory to our Father. We are with confidence in every area of our life to proclaim Jesus is King by both our actions and our words. We are to do this with a firmness and a compassionate love. But we are not to withdraw. Now the reality is, too often we feel weak and inconsistent in our work before God to be fruitful. This is why God gives us gifts to com- in order for us to complete the charge. When we come together in God's house, when we obey the call to worship, God gives us grace for the forgiveness of our sins because of the bloody sacrifice of Jesus. After he cleanses us, we ascend to God's presence where we sing, read, and hear God's word. You know, my word as a preacher is nothing, but God's word is the power unto salvation. God takes his word and conforms us to Christ, and he takes each one of us and puts us right for all the things that God has given us. 
You understand that? Being conformed to Christ, God comes in and he takes each one of us and he puts us right. He changes us by the power of his word. Finally, he gives us life and the body and blood of Christ at his table of peace. Sometimes we think that we're surrounded and practically defeated in our lives. I'm going to pause right there. If you were in Sunday school this morning, we've begun Psalm 18. And, man, it just speaks to this right here. Where David, he talks about being delivered from all his enemies. And it's 50 verses of thanking God praising God and speaking in great poetical language, both not just of what God has done in the past, but what he is doing and what he will do. We need to read the Psalms and pray the Psalms. That When we're feeling like we're defeated, we need to remember Psalm 23, in that God prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. He leads us, he protects us. He takes us to safe waters and provides his table. God sovereignly calls us and gives us all we need. His grace is sufficient. You know, we bring nothing that he hasn't provided us with. We need to realize that God has called us to be his agents to change the world, to glorify it. When Jesus taught us to pray, he says this in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9, In this manner, therefore, pray. And he he says this, and then he taught us to confidently declare, Your kingdom come, and then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Too often we see this simply as a petition for God to do some miraculous work in the world. But this request is so much more. We know that the scriptures teach us that we are to do the will of God. We are asking God in this prayer to assist us to do his will on earth. In our daily lives, we are to take all that God has given us charge over and exercise dominion over it so that it reflects heaven. In the relationship with the people in our lives, are we making disciples for Jesus Christ? What are we making? Are we making Christians? Or are we making humanists? Self-serving individuals? Are we cultivating godly fruitfulness in our spouses? Our children? Children, everybody look up here. Are you cultivating, are you helping your brothers and sisters to be obedient to God? Are you teaching them that? Are we together cultivating godly fruitfulness in our churches, our communities, at our workplace? Man's job is to heavenize earth. There's no place of neutrality. You know, education is always discipleship to some God. In the not-so-distant past, educators in America defined education in this way. Education is a transmission 
of the basic values of the culture to the children thereof and is an expression of their religion of faith. Now, this quote that I heard by R.J. Rushduni, he, he, he quoted this mm, about 45 years ago. And I worked real hard after I had written it down to try to figure out who it was exactly that said it. But he was reflecting on, in the modern era, there was a recognition by educators that this was the fact. Now, if you've been involved in education or even Christian education, you've kind of engaged with this. You understand this. But, you know, education takes many forms, certainly in the schoolhouse, at your dining room table, in your backyard, at your workplace. And it is a transmission of values and our religion, our faith. No matter what our relationship with someone is, the question to be asked is this. Are we adding to their lives that they may be more like Jesus? Consider what Jesus said in Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. When we heavenize earth by living obediently to God's word, people will ask questions and they will glorify God. That is, they too will be transformed by God. God uses his people to bring the living waters to the world. Now, if you've ever, just think about how we've talked about this, this book on forgiveness and bitterness. If you've ever gone to a person in your workplace and asked for forgiveness, people are asking questions. Why in the world are you doing this? If you've ever made restitution for something you've stolen at the workplace or from a business. If you've ever gone out to people that don't know God and you do these things the way God says to do them, people ask questions. and We point them to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We point them and... God uses it. We don't know what part of God's work in their life it is. Maybe we'll see nothing because all we are is the plow breaking up the hard ground. Maybe it's planting seeds. Maybe it's watering. But in living obediently to God's word, we bring living waters to this world. Jesus declared in John 4, that he is the living water. He says this to the Samaritan woman, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. We also see in John 7, Jesus said this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me is the Scripture's has said, out of his heart will flow what? Rivers of living water. We, the church, the people of God, bring the rivers of living water to the world. We know when we study the scripture that the rivers of life flow from God's throne. And remember, what have we talked about? After the confession, what happens? We ascend up into God's presence in his throne room. 
even though we can't see it, with the angels and the archangels and the saints before us, and all the churches that are worshiping in their houses of worship today, or wherever they are, we're all worshiping God together. But we are in His presence. We're in His throne room because of the work of Jesus Christ. We see from the very beginning in Eden in Genesis 3, excuse me, in, in, excuse me, in Genesis 2, that a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. So when we flow out of God's presence, heavenly influences flow to all of the world. We see God in the same pattern. We'll talk about this in Zechariah 14. We see it in Ezekiel chapter 47, where it gets really interesting. You have this whole image where God is speaking to Ezekiel and he's seeing the heavenly temple. And in verse 1 it says this, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. And you know what? That river grows deeper and deeper. And in verse 8 it says, Then he said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the valley and enters into the sea. And when it reaches the sea, the waters are healed. Do you hear that? The waters are healed. Why? Because the living waters proceed from the throne room of God. And people of God, you this morning have ascended into God's presence. He's given us gifts. He's going to continue to give us gifts so that we can flow out and bring these rivers of living water. We see it also described in Revelation 22. In verse 1 it says this, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. What does it say? It says that the leaves on the tree were for the healing of the nations. If this particular passage was simply about the future, why did the nations need to be healed? No, this imagery right here is speaking about the rivers of life flowing out, and we become those trees planted by the rivers. Why? So that the nations may be healed. When we come to worship, we have entered into God's throne room. Again, he's given us gifts. He conforms us to his word. He nourishes us at his table so that we may flow out of his presence and be those trees and bring healing to the nations. Now, I'm just going to pause here just for a second. We're, we're, we're coming to the close here, but I want to say this to you. You know, regardless of where we end up, if we build something, if we do something, I, I've talked to others about this before, I have this imagery in my mind. And you see, this is why art and in your church building are, are kneeling down, are getting up. All of the things that we do physically matter. It teaches us, right? When we get down on our knees, we're, we're understanding that we are bowing before God and asking for mercy. When we stand up during the gospel reading, we are recognizing Christ as king over all. You know, my vision is when, when we give out that blessing that the doors at the back of the church, they, they, they fly open. I'd even like the doors to be blue on the inside. Right? What, so, so for what purpose? So that all of us remember these.
these things. We are flowing out of the doors of the church to bring the rivers of living water to the world. And, of course, we see all of this and we think, wow, this is all lofty. But look at the world. You know, God keeps his promises to give his son the nations. What does Psalm 2 tell us? Verse 8 says, ask of me. This is God speaking to Jesus. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. King Jesus has, in fact, asked his father for the nations. The triumphant king has commissioned us to be his church. His church will be triumphant because of the Spirit flowing and bringing the rivers of living water to the ends of the earth. We see in Habakkuk chapter 2, think about this now. (coughs) Excuse me. Behold, is it not of Yahweh of hosts that the peoples labor and feed the fire and the nations weary themselves in vain? And I included that because that's because I wanted us to to see they're wearying themselves in vain, just like Psalm 2. What? Why do the nations rage in vain? They're they're, they're wearing themselves out, fighting against God. But verse 14 says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh, as the waters cover the sea. So what is that? whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh. What is it to have knowledge of Yahweh? That is to be converted. The nations will be delivered unto God, and it's going to cover the whole earth in such a way that it's going to be like how the waters cover the sea. Now that's kind of redundant. That's incompleteness. There is no sea without water. We also see in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9, the very same thing. It says this, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains. So all that stuff, they're trying to rage against God. They can't do it. Why? For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. You know, it's interesting. When, when, I don't know, how, how many of you may have heard these passages before, but when we hear quotes of Isaiah 11, that's not usually the one people are talking about. Right? But right before it says this, beginning in verse 6, when I read this to you, you're going to recognize this, and it's part of this thing that warms our hearts because we know all this means the peace of God has come. Verse 6 of Isaiah 11, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. When we hear that, a lot of times that's been imagery we've been told about heaven. But in fact, this is about the fact of what happens when the world comes to Christ. Now, I'm a realist. We look out there and we say, we've got a long way to go. How are we going to do this? Each one of us here today, as we go out of the Lord's house, needs to heavenize earth. Take dominion. Take whatever God has given you and make it so that it glorifies God to the point where others see it 
and ask questions. Why? So that the world, the nations, may be saved. You know, this whole service has been a dress rehearsal of life. A call, a confession, a consecration, a communion, and very soon, the commission. As the service ends, it's time to start living differently as God blesses and commissions us to go back to our families, communities, and in the marketplace as the Lord's peculiar people living according to his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your gifts that you've bestowed upon us. Please give us clarity and fortitude in our daily lives to heavenize all you have given us. By your Spirit, use each one of us to help others to be conformed to your Son, Christ Jesus. Make us fruitful and help us to multiply in your glory in all areas of our life. We ask this for Jesus' sake, who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen. Peace of Christ be with you. You know, it is very good to come to God's table of peace. We've confessed our sins here today. Let us be encouraged from Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in him, that is Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You know, all these things that we've heard today can only be done because Jesus Christ came while we were yet sinners died for us. God didn't leave him there. He resurrected him. To what end? So that all things in heaven and earth could be reconciled to God. So come all of you who have confessed your sins, living a penitent life before God, come to his table of peace here this morning. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in memorial of me. Let us pray. It is truly appropriate and right that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God. But it is especially fitting that we should now, gathered around this table, thank you for your gracious covenant promises to us in Christ. Remember, Father, our Lord's humble birth, his holy life, his innocent sufferings and death, and his resurrection and ascension for us. Faithfully keep your covenant with us for Jesus' sake, and come now to nourish and equip us for service in your kingdom. By your Spirit, make the body and blood of our Lord life-giving nourishment for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.